0: Get me up. Cool. Cool. Well, good morning. I want, I want it loud. Good morning. There we go. There we go. Y'all give Ben a hand. I'm so thankful for these guys. They, they drove five and a half hours yesterday just to come and lead worship, so I wouldn't have to do both. <laughs> or, or we would have had Heath on keys, and I don't know if we'd have enjoyed that. <laughs> so... Um, most all of you know me. My name is Garrett Wagner. I'm, I'm from Lubbock. Uh, go to the same church as these hooligans. Um, very thankful for them. Um, go to church at Victory Life. Um, and honestly, there is nothing special about me. There is absolutely nothing special. I said yes to God, and God's taken me deeper. Every single time I said yes, and I know you all have heard Heath say that before. Um, But today, we're going to be in Galatians 2, um, 11 through 21. So if you have your Bibles turned there, we're going to go ahead and read that real quick. So it says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have also believed in Christ Jesus in order, or sorry, we also believed in Christ and not works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live is in the flesh. And I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose." And so the way that I want to start this off is kind of giving you guys a funny story. Um, well, there that went. So uh, <laughs> I was kind of similar to what Ben was doing this weekend. I was uh, serving at a D-NOW in Brown, uh, Brownfield, Texas. Um, and I was, we were, I was a part of a worship band there. And so what we'd do is we'd sing a set, and then the groups, all the kids would break out, and they would go study individually, and we'd just be kind of left in the sanctuary just hanging out. Well, it was really early, and I was super tired, and so I was laying down on the pew, and uh, I get a notification on my phone, and I open my phone up, and it says, your tickets are ready, and I'm sitting here thinking, what tickets? Like, I I don't have any tickets, and so I look deeper, and it says, your Justin Bieber tickets are ready, right, and so I go, and I open it up, and so let me give you this backstory. Um, I was in a past relationship, and things didn't work out there. I had bought tickets for the Christmas before, Um, And so I canceled it, got refunded. And I was, like, checking my account. I'm like, I I know I got refunded. And so I look, and surely enough, the money came through. But somehow I still have the tickets, right? And so I call my friend Max, which is his brother. I call my friend, and I'm like, yo, I've, I've got some Justin Bieber tickets. And him knowing that his girlfriend actually had Justin Bieber tickets to the same place like dude let's go like it's a no-brainer it's free and so the whole way though we're freaking out we're thinking like what if they don't work you know and then we get there and it's the walk and like you know it's in it's in Dallas so we're going under the underpass walking to American Airlines like what if we did this for no reason like what if we're coming here and it's for no reason and then we get there present our tickets we're in we're in completely free didn't pay a single thing got refunded except for gas obviously Um, And I'm going to add this part. It has nothing to do with the illustration at all. But the craziest part, talk about Providence. Uh, We were sitting there. We got there before his girlfriend. We didn't even tell them that we were going. And uh, we were sitting. We're, like, top row. I mean, like, I I wasn't going to buy some, like, $300 tickets. And so um, we're sitting up there, and Max turns to me and goes, what if Brooklyn and them, like, came up here right now? And I'm not kidding you, five minutes later, Three rows in front of us, they're right there. Talk about, talk about Providence. It worked out for him. So anyways, but the reason that I say that is because when we got there, you know, it takes a lot of pride for a guy to, s- like, step, step take, take a lot of stepping aside from your pride to sit there and sing Justin Bieber. But let me tell you, as soon as, as, soon as baby came on, we were going nuts. And we were having the time of our life. Um, and we were, we were truly experiencing it because we were participating um, in that. And so the reason that I say that and the reason that I mention that is because that's very similar to our walks with Christ. We get this free gift, and it's a matter of accepting, right? You accept it, and you go, and you're a part of it. And it's so beautiful because you don't deserve it, but somehow you've you've been given this free gift. And so what I really want to hang on is that you will never experience the true fullness of God if you're not participating in his kingdom. That's what he calls us to do. That's what his love compels us to do. And so, first today, we're gonna talk about um, right here in the first section where um, it says Cephas came to Antioch and opposed, and Paul opposed him to his face. So, if you don't know, in John we are—that's t- that, that, what—that's the name that uh, Jesus calls Peter. Um, so that's that's Peter. Um, so Peter came to Antioch. Um, he was sent. He was sent by. Uh, sorry, he came there, and he was eating with the Gentiles, Um, and you can imagine there is a whole bunch of food, and they're like pigging out because God has told them like, hey, you can eat all this food, and and, in him saying that. And so I'm also going to go to Acts 10 real quick. Acts 10 is when um, uh, God appears to Peter, and there's this, this sheet that's been dropped down, and there's all these animals, lizards, all kinds of food that's been considered unclean, And God tells Peter, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And so right there, we're told that Peter was told by God, essentially, go get the Gentiles. Because not only was he saying, hey, that food is clean, he's saying also, like, the people that eat that food, they're clean too. Like, I have made them clean through Jesus Christ. And so why did Paul oppose Peter? That's that's the real question here. So it says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. So to give you a little bit of background here on Galatians. Galatians, most scholars think that it was written about 48. It's the first epistle that we have, and I'm pretty sure the first book. I could be wrong on that. Um, but the first book that we earliest, earliest dated on it. Um, And so basically, the reason that Paul was writing this is because on Paul's first missionary journey, he was going, and if you look on a map, it's kind of like a circle. And he was going around, and he came back. But when he came back to Galatia, um, he noticed that there had been this group of Judaizers coming in behind him. So what, what Paul was doing, he would go to a place, preach, go to the next town. Go to the place, preach, go to the next town. And what was happening is these Judaizers were coming behind Paul and teaching a false gospel that wasn't one that Jesus Christ um, has, had called us to preach. And so what happened here is that these men, they came, they claimed, they came and they claimed to be um, from James, who was the half-brother of Jesus. He was um, the leader of the Jews, but the Judaizers came um, and Essentially, there's this love feast, right? And so there's this table over here. It's got pork. You can imagine some of Damon's ribs being on that table. Oh, yeah, we had, we had the good stuff over here, and then we had unleavened bread, all that kosher stuff over here. And what happened was is before those guys came, Paul was over here, and he was eating with the Gentiles, right? And they were in this perfect community. Like, it was this, like, perfect, perfect image of love, and they were just rejoicing in who Jesus Christ was. And then the Judaizers came in, and now there's this second table where it's kosher, and they're like, okay, you got... And keep in mind that what the Judaizers preached was, hey, yeah, you know, it's Jesus... It's accepting Jesus, but you also got to be circumcised and you got to do all these things. And so you, and you have to keep tradition, which made no sense. And so when they came, Peter, being afraid, separated from this table and went over here. And Paul saw him do this. He's like, what are you doing? Because he knew what the truth was. Acts 10, what I was just now telling you about, about how the sheep came down and it, God revealed himself to Peter and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. That happened before this took place. So Peter knew that it was nothing that he could do. He knew that meat would not commend him to God. And so, in that, Peter was affirming the Judaizers and their theology and leading people astray into a false gospel, which led people to believing that participating plus faith was your salvation. And so in the same way that I was giving that illustration about us going to see Justin Bieber, it's kind of the same here. In, that, in, in, the, in my illustration that I gave you, we got this free gift, right? And accepting it, we were into the concert, and there was no taking us out of there. But when we got in there, we felt like, hey, we need to, we need to participate. This is fun. And so that's why. It's because Jesus calls us, not because that's, that's what saves us. Works will never commend you to God. And so in that same way, like, we're called to participate, but that participation doesn't commend you to God. And so one thing I was listening to this week, and it was a sermon from John MacArthur, and he was just talking about um, 11 through uh, 14 here, where, where Peter's being opposed. And one thing that he said I thought was really profound, and I wanted to share it to you guys. He said the false gospel was launched in Genesis 3-7. And so if you're not familiar um, with what happened in Genesis 3-7, Basically, it's the fall of man, and man, sin, sin has entered the world, and what does man do? We hide, they hid from God, and they tried covering themselves up, and so the reason that John MacArthur was saying that was because in the same way that fault, these false teachers are saying like, hey, it's works, and you got to do this, it's the same thing as them. What were they doing? They were trying to cover up their guilt and shame themselves, but we can't, and that's the fact of the matter. That's why Jesus came to die. And so I really want to hit on that, and I want everyone to grasp that it's only that profession of faith and saying, Jesus, I trust you as my Lord and Savior. That is the only thing that is going to, to commend us to God, that is only going to put us in the fold of God, that, and we don't deserve it. And, and that's the crazy thing. And, and what I want to talk about here next um, is we're going to go Galatians 2, 15 through 16, but I also want to add in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, where it says, um, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we might walk in them. And so in that, if it is not by works, right? He said, it's not by works so that no one may boast. So then what is it by? Well, he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So I really want to take a look here. And I just ask the questions, right? What is faith? And I think it's a word, and me and Ben were actually having a conversation last night. We were talking about how Hebrews 11.1 one, um, it gives this definition of faith, plain and clear. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And so often, people take that as, well, either I'm, I'm just blindly going into something, and it's all blind. That's not what Paul is saying here. It's saying, now faith is the assurance. Like, what is assurance? That's being sure of something. I don't have to... I don't have to see the workers in the kitchen right now working in the kitchen to know that they're there. And it's the same way with Christ. We know based off the evidence that he's there. I don't have to see him to trust in him and to serve him. And so faith is the assurance and trusting that God is in the kitchen cooking up something. That is what faith is. And so what is grace? It says by grace we have been saved through faith. Grace is being given what you don't deserve, and I think that is exactly where we need, what we need to realize here. What do I deserve? Because we have this in our head, thinking that I deserve this, I deserve that. And you think about growing up. You played soccer, you played baseball, whatever. I work hard enough, and I deserve that trophy. Um, my football team, we practice hard enough, and I deserve to go to state. And that's the complete opposite in the kingdom. We don't deserve anything. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death. So what are wages? Wages is a payment. Wages is what you deserve. So we deserve death. And that is all the Bible says we deserve. But Christ in his loving kindness came and he died for us. So we deserve death. So anything outside of that is given by God's grace. And I'm so thankful that you mentioned Job today because Job says something so profound, and it's one of my absolute favorite things um, that Job says. And he's going through all these trials, he's had everything taken from him, his life is a mess. And what does he say? Shall we take good from God and not trouble? And you hear that, and you're like, What do you mean? I thought everything from God is supposed to be good. If God gives it, it's good. Now, God's sovereign, but God is also all loving. So there's this certain thing, and we have, we, have, we, have, we have such limited knowledge. We think that in moments, God is more this than that, but every single second, God is sovereign, God has wrath, God is fully loving, and all of that, and we can't even comprehend that. And so anything that you are given outside of death That's what you deserve. You deserve suffering in the heat out here. You deserve that sunburn you got when you were swimming the other day. Donnie, you deserve having carpal tunnel. (laughs) But no, seriously. And so then we're told in verse 10 of, of Ephesians 10, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for works which God prepared beforehand. We have this knowledge in our head thinking that we are doing something. That was one thing that I had to get out of my head this week is that when I'm up here speaking, it is not me. I prepare and I do all this stuff, but ultimately it is Christ and it is the Holy Spirit um, speaking through his word and and using me as a vessel. It's nothing that I'm up here doing. I don't deserve to be up here. And so it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for works that are prepared beforehand. How many of you... Have been to a bar when you were under 21, and I know we're going really Baptist here. So under 21, all right. And how many of you have gone to that bar? And since you're under 21, and you're over, if you're over 18, what they do is they put a mark on your hand, right? So that so say, hey, this person's been marked. That's what works are. Works are a mark that you were a believer, that you were a part of that crowd. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go here, and we're gonna go to First John. And this paper that flew out was actually in there. So now I have to go back and find it. But 1 John um, 2, 3 through 6 is what we're going to read. And it says, And by this we know that we have come to know Him. So by this we know. Not by this you are saved. By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says I know Him but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked, meaning Christ. So we're told right there that it's not of... It's it's n- your works aren't a matter of salvation, and we're also and I'm sorry. This is, probably feels like Bible drill, Ben. You're probably thriving right now. I know you used to do that when you were a kid, but James, um, James 2:26 is where we're going to be next. How many teachers we got in the room? Okay, teacher, teacher, teacher. All right. Okay. <laughs> I'm unqualified. James 2:26. So it says, uh, "For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead." Who can tell me what a simile is? Anybody? It's a comparison of two more things, right? So if I say that Heath runs as swift as a zebra, right? Does that does, no? Does that mean that Heath is a zebra? No, I'm comparing his qualities to that of a zebra. And so in the same way, <laughs> I'm sorry, man, I know I'm killing you out. But in the same way, uh, James, the half-brother of Christ here says, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So we know that salvation and our eternal destiny only al- like lies with Christ and putting your faith in Christ. And that's what what he's saying here, is he's saying that just like you without the Spirit, you without putting your faith in God, just like that, you're dead. Your faith, right? Your faith that is what we talked about in Hebrews 11. Your faith that goes out and shares the gospel and and shares the good news of Christ, that is dead and it's of no use. And so what he's saying there is, is like, if you're not preaching the gospel, if you're not showing the love of Christ, then what are you doing? That's what he's saying. And there's a distinction there between those two things. And so, um, in verse... Isn't this We're going to go back to Galatians. Sorry about that. So Galatians 15, 16. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ. And not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. So it's literally nothing you can do. And he says it right here. By works of the law, no one will be justified. And so... I want to ask you guys. Raise your hand if you've ever told a lie. Alright? Raise your hand if you've ever stolen something. Raise your hand if you've ever said OMG. So according to the law, and according to the way that Jesus said, that he judges, you just told me that you're a bunch of lying, stealing blasphemers. (laughs) And I mean, that's 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 as honest as it is though. You take a look at the law, and you're going to realize that you can't keep it. You're going to realize that There is literally nothing in you that's special. And that was the realization that I had to make in my life. And that's exactly why I'm up here. I had to realize that, you know, until, Garrett, you humble yourself like we were talking about in James this week and realize that it's nothing that you can do but everything that Christ has done in you, your life is, your faith is of no purpose. And so right here, um, in the next part, it says, but if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? And so I want to talk about for this this for a minute because that can be really confusing because you're hearing Christ and sin in the same sentence and you're like, what? So what Paul is saying here is if we, right? So like we, we've we been told all this time, like follow the law, follow the law. We got to do this. We have to make sacrifices um, in we have to put our trust in God to deliver us. And so all this time, like it's been about doing that. And so what Paul is saying here is, if I'm putting my faith in Christ, does that mean that Christ is a servant of sin since I'm going away from the law, so to say? Which you're not really. Because right here in the next line, it says, um, certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, Paul talking about his Jewish beliefs. So if I rebuild those beliefs, what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. It's the same thing here. He says, for through the law. Who is the law? Well, in John 1.1, we're told that's Jesus. Jesus is those things. That is, the word became flesh. So Christ didn't just abolish all this stuff. He didn't sit here and say, listen, man, I'm coming so that you can sin. Like, even though that's that's the result of it. We, we are able to. Are we called to do that? Absolutely not. But Christ came and he fulfilled the law because you and I couldn't. Just like what we just talked about, about how we're all liars, stealers, blasphemers, everything, we've broken everything in the Ten Commandments. We're all those things at heart. We've hated people. We're murderers. That's what Jesus says, at least. That's not my words. And so Paul is saying here, if we believe those things, then we prove ourselves to be a transgressor. For through Jesus Christ, that is our only chance at salvation. That is our only way of salvation, not chance. It's a sure thing. And so Paul says here, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so, like we said, the law, Christ became flesh and he fulfilled the law. We can't keep it, but Christ did it for us. And by Christ living a perfect life and dying a substitutionary death, and what I mean by substitutionary is in your place, we are saved, and by faith in Christ, we are restored to the Father. And what Paul Paul is saying here, and this is so profound for someone like Paul to say, I've been crucified with Christ. What Paul is saying is, I've died to myself. Who was Paul? What do we know about Paul? That he was a persecutor of the Jews. He was the guy that cast the first stone. He wanted, or not the persecutor of the Jews, persecutor of the Christians. He wanted the Christians dead. He hated this idea of Jesus. He hated it. God softened his heart. And here we have Peter, or not Peter, sorry, Paul, who is saying, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ that lives in me in the life I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we are not enough. You're not. I don't care what you think. I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm just being honest. You're not enough, and there is nothing that you can do that is going to commend you or bring you to Christ other than putting your faith in Him. And so uh, there's just one thing that's really profound that I want us to really sit on. You must crucify yourself and walk in the ways of the one who was and still is. And I'll hear this. Christ cannot and will not resurrect what has not died. Something has to be dead for it to be resurrected. Christ had to be dead for him to resurrect himself out of that tomb. In the same way, we're called to walk in the ways of the Lord. We're called to crucify ourselves with him. And one thing that was was really cool. So when I came here, spring break, uh, with the crew from Victory Life, um, Heath, my brother, and this guy named Daniel Renty. Um, they, they, all, they all were talking. I mean, one thing that really stuck with me um, was one, what one of them said. And they were talking about how so often we as Christians, we put our faith in Christ, right? And we say, Lord, I'm crucified with you. And then while our right hand is on the cross, we're like, I think I'll take a little bit of that, a little bit of this. And we keep on continuing to sin. And don't, me, don't hear me out. You're, there's never gonna be a point in your life where you stop sinning until you're with Jesus but we are called to walk in his ways. And and so we have to have this mentality of, I'm going to keep my hands on this cross because I believe by faith the assurance of what I have seen. I believe that Jesus Christ really did what he did, and I'm going to walk in his ways. And I want you guys to know that you were never too far away. You were never too deep in your sin for Christ to save, and Paul is the perfect example of that. Paul says here, if I, do, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Whoa. Paul says, I do not nullify the grace of God. And what was grace? What did we talk about grace being? Something that was given to us that we don't deserve. And Paul, being the person that he was, realizing who he has been redeemed to, says, I don't nullify the grace of God because his grace is what saved me. I killed people. I did all these bad things, but somehow Christ still died for me. And if it was through the law, if we could be saved by the law, then Christ literally died for no purpose. And that is something that is hard to swallow, to realize that, wait a minute, there's something in my life where, that I was a part of that I didn't earn. Just like I thought that I I deserved that state championship. I thought that I deserved that promotion at job, at at, at the work that I do. I thought I deserved these things. But Christ says the complete opposite. You don't deserve anything but death. And so in telling you like you're not too far away for Christ to save, I want to tell you guys my story. So, um, my so I'm, I'm going to start from the beginning. Um, about sixth grade, my grandpa, um, who was that figure for me, was that person that I really leaned on um, He was diagnosed with cancer, and then about six months he was gone. Um, and before that, actually, cancer has always been something that scares me. Um, my mom had it twice, and so in the second time it was stage four, and we really thought we were going to lose her. And so now, like, my mom just got back from MD Anderson, and I haven't heard anything yet, but it always scares the living crap out of me because you never know if they're going to say, oh, we found something again, or we found something wrong. And so cancer's always been that for me, and when it took my, my grandpa, that was like, ah. And I started following the wrong crowd. This is sixth grade, so like, I'm not doing crazy, stupid things. I'm a sixth grader. Um, but I get with the wrong crowd, and as I'm getting with the wrong crowd, um my freshman and sophomore year of high school, um, I follow that crowd. And uh, I'm doing everything from drugs, marijuana, smoking, everything that you can imagine, um, drinking. My identity was in all of that. I loved it. I loved it because it was, it was a crutch for me. It was something that I, I was addicted to nicotine. It was something that I could put my faith in. Man, I know this is going to give me pleasure for, for just this night. I got to get through this day, just this day. And my sophomore year, I don't know what it was, but I know this for a fact. It was one of the first times the Spirit started stirring in me. And one Friday night after a football game, I realized that I was tired of it. I was tired of doing the same thing every single weekend, going and doing the same stuff. And I went to this thing called fourth quarter, or fifth quarter, sorry. Fifth quarter is, is kind of an effort by churches um, to keep kids away from parties after a football game or something on Friday nights. And so I went to that. I was like, okay, whatever, you know, there's games, basketball, whatever, I can do something, keep, keep my mind moving. I, mean, I met this guy named Joe Salinas, and awesome dude, um, one of my mentors to this day. Um, Joe is a youth pastor at Eastside Baptist Church in Haskell, which is where I'm from. Um, and there is where I really started kind of getting plugged in. And I always view it kind of funny because normally people put their faith in Jesus and then they start serving whatever, which I really wasn't serving him, I was serving myself. Um, but I started playing keys and stuff. I started playing on Wednesday nights and singing and stuff. And uh, this is hilarious. We went to a camp my junior year. And uh, I was like, and keep in mind, I was, I was baptized when b- before sixth grade, 12. And this is kind of a funny story actually. Um, have have any of you ever heard of Power Team? It's a bunch of strong guys. They bend frying pans, tear apart, yeah, tear apart phone books and all that stuff. Like, I'm really strong. Jesus. And I was like, yeah! (laughs) Like, and they're running through ice, breaking ice. And, uh, They pass this paper around, and all my friends are filling it out. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but sure, you know. My name is Garrett Wagner. My phone number is this. Actually, I don't have a phone number at that point, but I put my uh, parents' address, all that stuff. Anyways, that goes by, and nothing's different. It's not like I accepted Christ or anything, but uh, my parents get this thing in the mail, and they come to me. Oh, my gosh, you've accepted Christ. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And anyways, they get the pastor over, the pastor comes over, and they're like, "You're saved." I mean, and, and, and it's not like they, they weren't forcing it on me, um, but it was never really a decision. I was just like, "Yeah, you know, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, you know Jesus, yeah, cool, good, cool dude, I'm cool with that. And so we set up a date, and um, I get baptized I came I couldn't tell you the date of my baptism uh, that first time. Um, but yeah, so fast forward, we're at this church camp with uh, my youth, and I was like, man, I feel really called to ministry. Really, it was the ministry of Garrett Wagner. I wanted people to look at me and and see me up there playing and just, oh, he's so good. That's what I wanted. And I was like, you know, I could do this thing. I could do this thing. And I still have it in my phone, um, and I'll never delete it. And it's this note. It's this prayer that I wrote. I said, because I had never had a girlfriend or anything. I was lonely, as you'd call it. Um, And I prayed this prayer. I was like, Lord. You know, I completely trust in you, man. But if you're willing, I'll, I'll, I'll be like a girlfriend, you know? And I, <laughs> and I prayed that prayer. And not a week later, right? I'm thinking this is providence. I'm like, this is meant to be. Uh, I, meet, I meet this uh, girl, and we're in a relationship for, for two years. Um, and every bounds that you can imagine, uh, were crossed. And it wasn't until nine months ago Um that God finally translated it from here to here. I went through um, a breakup, and I want to shout these guys. These are two of about 12 guys in my life that sat with me in that moment where I was so broken because those bounds had been crossed. And, I mean, when, it, when we broke it off, it was like, mm, the glue ripped off, the Band-Aid was open, open wound, it hurt and I just remember crying multiple times um, at, at his brother's house. Um, I, I remember the night um, in September when I was on my bathroom floor crying, contemplating suicide, because I didn't want to be here anymore. I had no purpose. But Jesus said, Yes, you do. And in that, in all that crying and all that hurt where I felt worthless, Jesus said, You are. But I love you. And so cry, and I said, I said this prayer and I'll never forget it. I said, God, if you're real, I need you to do something in my life. If you're real, I need you to do something. And I remember first day of school going, going, is this, and I was working up with them on the first day of school. And I was just driving and I was like, I don't, don't want to go to class. I had, I had C's, I had D's, I had all these bad grades this first semester. I, I, I dropped so many classes that I got to the point where I only had three credit hours last semester. And it was in all of that that these guys who love Jesus Christ, I saw something in them and I was like, that's what I want. And so like Paul said, imitate yourself after me, that's what I started to do with all my friends. I was like, they love Jesus and I wanna love this Jesus guy. And so I prayed this prayer um, when I was on that bathroom floor. And I said, Lord, if you're true, I need you to do something. And I've known this my whole life, that if I put my faith in you, that you will put a new spirit in me. I think it's Jeremiah, and I could be wrong. I don't want to be a heretic. (laughs) But Jeremiah says, I will give you a new heart of flesh. I will replace your heart of stone with a heart of flesh. He's like, I want this new heart. Like, I want want to just be content in this moment. Like, if anything, just anything to relieve the pain. And so I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior um, then. And don't hear me say that everything got perfect. Uh, I went to counselors. Um, I, I tried just about everything you could. I was dealing with depression really bad. Depression, anxiety. I have, And that's why I told you at the very beginning, I don't deserve to be up here. I'm anxious right now. Like I, there's no reason for me to be up here. Um, but God saw me in that. And he's still, he's still working it out of me. There's moments where I'm like, man, this sucks. Like, this really sucks. Like I, I hate being alone. But then I have to remind myself that I'm not alone. Like, I have Jesus Christ in me, and it wasn't until I realized those things that I suck, (laughs) as Daniel Frenzi says. Yourself sucks. When I realized that, that's when Christ started taking me. Because you look at it. You look at the Israelites. um, Just in the story of Joshua, multiple times, God says, "Um, like, go. Like, go conquer them. I've already handed them into your hand. Like, as soon as I had confidence that it wasn't anything that I was doing but the victories that Christ has already won, I realized, like, oh my gosh, like, that's that's the purpose. We're just called to be vessels. Like, and that's, that's, that's not to say anything about, anyways, I'm not going to go there. But um, Jesus Christ loves you, and you're not too far away. He echoes himself, he echoes all these passages. John 3:16. he says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And in Romans ten, Paul says, "Therefore, if you confess with your mouth and believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the mouth one confesses and is saved, and with the heart one believes and is justified." There is one way. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. no one comes to the Father except through me. There is one way, and his name is Jesus. There is one love. His name is Jesus. There's one there and I've always told I said it this way: there's two religions. There's man's God there's man's religion and there's God's religion. And the way to have eternal life, this one right here, that's through Jesus Christ. And so, Ben, you can go ahead and head up here. And I just want to invite you guys. If you've never truly placed your faith, your faith alone in Jesus Christ, not any works that you've done, I want to invite you guys to do that today. And so I think that it's safe to say um, in any room, any place that you're at, there are two sides of a room. And the sides are the people who have given their life to Jesus Christ and the side that hasn't. So, here is my simple, um, simple put calling, I guess, altar call um, that I have for you guys. If you're not saved, so often we're humans, creatures of signs. Be like, Lord, give me a sign. Give me a sign. If you've been looking for a sign, and you're like, Lord, give me a sign. I don't know if I'm supposed to put my faith in you. I don't know if you're real. Here's your sign, as Jeff Foxworthy says. <laughs> Here's your sign. Like, there's no better time than now to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Is it really my fault? <laughs> but, and if you are saved, you have, you have a calling too. Another step. And that step is to die. To be crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. So me and Heath will be in the back. And, if, and Karen also. And if you feel some kind of calling on your heart, and you just want to tell somebody, whether that be salvation, a calling, whatever that looks like for you, we'll be in the back And just stand and let's worship.